podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. I'm Ilya Marchenko. I'm Dennis Kudler. I'm Jesper De Jong. I'm Henry Larson. I am Francisco Segundolo. And you're listening to the Game to Love podcast. Hey, welcome back, tennis fans. It's the day after the night before, and we have a new Paris Masters champion. It isn't. Novak Djokovic for a change. It's Holger Luna winning his first Masters title. And what an incredible match it was. He defeated Djokovic in three epic sets of tennis. It has to be said, he looked nervous at the start, but by the end, he came into his own. And I don't know, that 15-minute game right at the end of the match just summed it up. He is ready for the big time, I think, Holger Luna. And, well, he's now going to be the first alternate at the World Tour Finals. What about that, JG? I mean, we're going to be talking about him for the whole podcast. So I just want to begin with talking about the Paris Masters as an event in itself. I thought they smashed it. It was very good. And the tennis lived up to it. It was nice to see full crowds. I think they did take it a step too far at times, specifically when Djokovic was serving. And I think it wasn't really fair on Novak. Uh, But despite that, it was good to see a really good tennis atmosphere and the tennis delivered. From the semi-finals onwards, it's probably one of the best events I've seen all year. I thought Djokovic's sister pass was really special. And the final with Runa and Djokovic was also very reminiscent of the semi-final. But it had that extra something special, knowing that the title's on the line. And considering Holgeruna's not been in that situation ever before in a Masters final and only being 19 years old... Yeah, I was even more impressed and I was so surprised he was able to clinch it. I thought the later the match goes on, it would favour Djokovic more and he would be dragging Holger into the deep waters. But listen, hats off to him. We're going to be going through so many tweets on this one which highlight how good he is. And he is the deserved champion, as Djokovic said. Yeah, most definitely. And if you save that many break points against Novak Djokovic, I think that you're well within your right to claim a Masters. And like you said, there's so many great stats around this. Holger Luna um, now celebrated so much over in Denmark. I mean, this is massive massive for them on the men's side. We've had Caroline Wozniacki, obviously, on the women's. That was massive for them. But now they've finally got some men to cheer about. And I think that's a real big factor here. Danish tennis may become bigger uh, in the future due to this guy uh, and he's so young as well like the future is very bright so yes well thank you everyone for joining as well great to see some of our members in as you can see it is only members and that is a new addition to game to love what we are going to be doing is benefiting uh it's going to benefit the members in the future because we're going to have all of our draw previews and live podcasts only available to members in the live chat the reason for doing this is of course it sort of gets rid of all of the spam as a, as a big thing. And we feel that gives you guys an opportunity to have your voice heard more so on the podcast. And maybe it can also help me and Ben by increasing the amount of members we have. Indeed. Yeah. We're giving a bit back to the members as well. We always try to pick you out of the lineup, but yeah, sometimes when it's flying past so quick can be a little bit difficult, but yeah, there are new things coming to the channel next year. 
player roulette on Patreon. So make sure to sign up for that as well. There's going to be uh, an exciting 2023 on GTL. Uh, and this is just the start. So let's go through the tweets, mate. Let's get them going. There's the champion. There he is. Holger Luna. Looks I love this graphic, I have to say. I think the colours... Uh, well, did you know the colours were going to be this blue? Or is it no, a coincidence that we went with that co- Paris Masters blue? <laughs> just coincidence. Yeah, total coincidence. Yeah, we got lucky yeah. there. It does look very yeah. good, especially with our background as well. And, um, yeah, really pleased for him. He just looks very young. Do you not think when you look at yeah. him, he looks a lot younger than, say, we can compare him to Adkalaz. They're both 19 years old, but I look at his face as like a real young boy Alcaraz looks more like a man now do you yeah. agree a little bit yeah maybe it's just the tan <laughs> I don't know maybe he's been in the sun a little bit more a little bit more weathered skin who knows um well he definitely even though he looks young he played like a, a man on the court that was the the key thing over the whole week uh, even in Basel as well I think he's had a great year but th- this end to the year uh, we're all talking about Holger Luna now, and it just seems that Alcaraz's year, it hasn't been beaten, but he's got himself uh, in the picture at least. And I think that's a real great uh, achievement because I don't think he was really getting much credit coming up to the end of the year because Alcaraz has sort of stolen the show, got the world number one, the US Open champion, all of that. Uh, it didn't seem like there was any more uh, plaudits to be won, but fair play to him and there could still be more to be won who knows if the world tour finals will have a place for him we'll wait and see i mean that's exciting in itself i think well he's he's probably just grateful that he's got the opportunity to potentially play and i think he gets a good payout anyway just being an alternate who's looking at is they're paying more than any other year so for any in any situation if you can get there even as an alternate you probably make more than what you would do to win say a 250 event yeah, for sure. Uh, and I think just the experience of just being there. Remember, obviously, yeah. last year we had a couple of people drop out. Karatsev ended up, wasn't it, uh, being there? And I think it was, who? who's the other one? Norrie as well. Obviously, Norrie yeah. actually got to play as well. So that was fantastic. Brilliant to see players. And you just see how happy they are when they're just included in that elite uh, pack of players at the end of the year. Well, I think he fully deserves it. And imagine if he gets to play. That's someone no one wants to play as well. Someone well, who's just not, won the Paris Masters. Not in this so. form, certainly. But let's move back to Paris because we'll be talking about the ATP finals later on. And we've got Liam in referring to the trophy. Um, I'm just trying um, to find it now. He's saying it's a health hazard. <laughs> and I absolutely despise <laughs> the trophy. It looks so ugly. I mean, I disagree. I think I it like looks it. class. I like yeah. it. it there's something so many... different exactly right there's so many different styles of trophies and this one you always know which trophy it is because some of them i can't tell where it's from but this one stands out every year you always recognize that tree uh, of the paris masters trophy and something i think when uh djokovic was speaking to holger luna just after the match when he was about to lift it he said it's heavy, isn't it? <laughs> that one, and it was uh, agreeing with him, which I thought was quite funny because obviously some of them probably a little bit smaller, some of them a bit bigger, but yeah, this one a bit of a weighty one for sure. So right. moving on, this is the route, and it is well documented that it was probably one of the toughest routes any player could have to win a Masters title. So he then he started off beating three-time Grand Slam champion Stan Wawrinka. He then followed it up with a number 10 victory against Hercatch. 
And then world number nine in Andre Rublev. Then world number one in Carlos Alcaraz, who, by the way, has not looked very good since he has become world number one with quite a few losses in there. Uh, we've got world number eight, then Felix, who's also on a 16-match winning streak, all on indoor hard court. He was able to beat him. And then, I mean, yeah. it doesn't get any tougher than the final. 21-time <laughs> Grand Slam champion and six-time Bercy champion, <laughs> Novak Djokovic. Is this the greatest title run ever? I mean, I would love to see someone throw another one out there that looks better than that. I mean, it, it doesn't get much harder, does it? And that is... The who's who. And plus, he only dropped two sets in doing so. He dropped one to, obviously, Stan Wawrinka in the first one. That was so close, that Stan Wawrinka match as well. Put some credit on Stan's name because he nearly took him out in the first round. But then after that, it was just Djokovic. And Djokovic was, the obviously, the reigning champion, six-time champion. Very, very impressed by that. So... Uh, Felix, uh, I think he was a bit burnt out, but I'm not going to take anything away from Holger Luna because Felix probably would have beaten anybody else on that day. Maybe give or take Djokovic, maybe you would have still beaten him. Who knows? But Holger Luna, you can't take anything away from him. Despite who he was playing, he beat them all fair and square. So, right, on to the next one. And this one, I thought it was quite nice in his after-court after match on court interview, sorry, off court. No, uh, I said uh, a Masters 1000 champion on the mic. And I thought it was quite nice because he was explaining uh, the, his feelings during that final game where it was back and forth, saving break points. He said, My heart was almost in my brain. <laughs> like, can you imagine playing in that situation, your first Masters final? against Djokovic down the other end, who's literally coming out. He said he came out so fast in that game. He said, I thought it was, we were going to tie break. That was all that was in my mind. And I somehow managed to pull through. Incredible, mate. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad he admitted that because I thought it was going to go tie break as well. Very few players, especially the next gen of players, would have been able to hold off Novak Djokovic and prevent him from going to tie break. He looked set to do it. I think it went love 30. There was, what, three break points or potential or three or four break points to go to tie break. Um, there was loads of break points. There was, was there maybe uh, more? one, five, two, three, six. four, five, six. Yeah, six break points. Six break points to go to tie break. And he managed to fend off Novak Djokovic in that situation. I've not seen many players do it. And if you get the opportunity, you should watch that game because I think it's well over 15 minutes. It's a long yep. game. And it is just very entertaining because the type of points which are played aren't just sort of quick ones. There's a lot of long rallies. There's lobs. There's volleys. There's baseline cross court frenzies. It's just a mad point and uh, mad points. Sorry, and I really recommend watching it if you haven't seen it. It's br- absolutely brilliant. I, I was uh, enthralled, as I'm sure you can see. I don't think it even mattered who you supported in that. Uh, juice. Um, it was just tennis was on show that everyone can really just get behind, and I think that tennis was the winner. As a, we've heard it many times before. Yeah, we've got Liam in. Sand. Just go back to that image. We've got <laughs> Olga looks like me on meth. <laughs> <laughs> he does look a little bit like a young Liam. Yeah, a little bit of a Liam there. And, and this Liam. is a good stat from Kathy as well. Uh, our top tipper for Paris. A shout out to you, Kathy. Yeah. Appreciate that. You did win the top tippers for that. Um, and she said Rune was three out of three on break points. Novak, one out of 12. 
Uh, it says on the official stats two out of twelve, but maybe that's wrong. I'm not sure, but yeah, still, still, it's irrelevant to amazing. one or two out of twelve. It just shows he was able to save so many breakpoint opportunities, and when Runa got the opportunities, he took them. Yeah, and you had to, and that was the thing that we kept on saying: is come on, you can't be passive against Djokovic. You just got to go for it, and he did. He, he battened down the hatches and just went full guns blazing. It was brilliant to see. Right, so on to the next one. This was a quote from him uh, after the match. Uh, do you want to take us yep. through this one? I was overwhelmed with emotions after the game. It's the best feeling of my life, of my career. It's a dream come true. Novak is very difficult to beat. I think it was the toughest game I've had to play in my life. Most definitely is. <laughs> Most pressure for sure. And this one I thought was quite a nice little graphic saying, uh, work until your idols become your rivals. And this picture of him, uh, I don't know how old he is there, but he looks... Do you know Djokovic posted this on his Instagram as well? And maybe Twitter as well. He posted this photo of the two of them. Yeah, yeah. I I believe that this was on his Twitter as well. You're right. But yeah, I found this one from Tennis TV. It's great to see though, isn't it? I mean, how crazy is that? I know that we've had... Other similar pictures with Alcalaz as well, and like with meeting players when he was younger. And Casper Ruud, obviously. We had the one with Rafa earlier on uh, this year as well, which is always great to see when you meet your uh, your idols on the court. But this time, he actually beat him, <laughs> which is doesn't happen too often, I have to say. And this yeah, one... Just, obviously, oh, go on. Sorry, just before we go on to this one, Gary makes a good point, and I do want to touch on it as well. And he was saying, I hope you talk about the trophy ceremony. Novak was typical, 100% class, congratulating yep. Holger with a huge smile. No one loses with more grace. And I don't think we've really got a tweet to talk about this, so maybe we're it's a good opportunity that. now. Yeah, oh, no, we're coming is there to, a yeah, tweet? The, yeah, we're coming to those. Don't okay, worry, so Gary. We'll save that thought then, Gary. We will talk about that in a second. <laughs> Shout out to Rowdy Every Lap as well, saying Holger Rune already has two two nicknames, the Danish Destroyer and the Baby-Faced Assassin. Oh, I think we've got to take the Danish Destroyer because that's Oli Gunnar Solskjaer is the uh, Baby-Faced Assassin from football. Is it? Yeah. I prefer the Baby-Faced Assassin. Well, maybe it can be a tennis one. I don't know. We'll wait to see if he starts destroying everybody. If he starts killing everybody in straight sets, then maybe he'll come, become the Destroyer. But let's wait and see. I like both anyway. Yeah, for sure. cheers for the tip as well, Rowdy. Appreciate that. So this one, obviously we mentioned it uh, yesterday, but I thought I'd bring it up again because it is something that people who didn't see yesterday, Holger Luna becomes the first player to uh, ever to defeat Djokovic from a set down in a Masters 1000 final. And it, this is a stat. Djokovic was 30-0 and 0 in Masters uh, finals after winning the first set until Runa battled back. For a three six six three seven five victory, incredible! Right, I've just realised finally I got a seven five call right, but the wrong way round. I did it against Sissipas. <laughs> I went seven five Djokovic. Didn't happen. Went tie break. I had Djokovic seven five in this one. We did get seven five, but it was just the wrong way. Um, mm. but I had a feeling it was going to be seven five. I, I was waiting for one, and I'm glad the last ever set of the Master, uh, the Paris Masters in 2022 was an actual seven five. Nice. And um, on the on the stat, that is just remarkable, isn't it? Yeah, it just so goes to show when Djokovic gets that first set. I think a lot of the time, the reason he does win is because then it will either be if if they are to take a set, it goes to three, and he's so good in three. I think the best opportunity for any player to beat Djokovic is in straight sets. 
So that's why that stat doesn't really surprise me too much. It just surprises me that Rune was able to break it. And the, the yeah, it's massive. And the huge thing you would agree st- as well. Yeah. The best way to beat Djokovic probably is in straights. Yeah, normally you don't want yeah. to go deep waters. We kept saying, don't go deep waters. He'll take you there and then it, you, your legs go. And then he's the one who outlasts you. The key point in that second set, Holger Rune started serving. He was the first server in the second set. He went down love 40 on his own serve and saved three break points and then came through and won the game. And that it turned the match. That gave him the confidence. The first set, he looked nervous. After he did that, remember, that was when he was going, come on to the crowd, yeah. getting everybody up, getting everybody going. He even started playing trick shots and stuff. <laughs> I don't know what was going on with Holger Rune <laughs> yesterday, but everything just seemed to be working. Well, he's certainly someone who oozes confidence. He's not yeah. a young player who goes onto the tour and plays in these big matches and looks out of place and nervous. No, like you could say, maybe sometimes Sinner has looked a bit nervous in big moments. Felix yeah. certainly has, and we've even seen some signs of nerves from Alcaraz. Runa, I don't think I've ever really seen him look that nervous. <laughs> He's very self-assured and confident. Some people would say cocky and arrogant. I think there's a fine line, and maybe he does cross it at times. But certainly, it's helping his tennis. I think you have to have an element of arrogance. I feel to. I don't know. To it, plus, it's not good to be like, uh, what do they call it? Just like, not like water or just like, it's not good to be that neutral. You've got to have something about you that in this day and age for people to be either op- opposing you or be with you. So it's sometimes better to make people say something rather than nothing, because that's what we're having problems in tennis at the moment is there's a lot of people doing well and no one's even talking about them. They, they're going to talk about him. He's maybe controversial sometimes. I like it. I think it brings more eyes on the sport. And I think that, that is big. You need to be one of those characters who maybe speaks out. Maybe he does some stuff wrong sometimes. Doesn't matter. As long as you apologize and learn. Not just that. If you look at other sports aside from tennis, some of the best athletes in their field are the most arrogant people. Yeah. Like, I don't know if there is some kind of um, Michael Jordan between the two. But you need to have some kind I mean, look at Cristiano Ronaldo as a prime example. Exactly. You need to have some level of arrogance to be the best. I think exactly. it does help. And it, it divides opinion then because people are like, oh, I don't really like him because he's this. And then you get this whole group of people who are sort of against you. But then you get the power struggle. You get people fighting over it. And all that does is just build your stock because people are all talking about you. You're in the yeah. news all the time. So... Well, we've got Liam with a good assessment, as Kathy says, saying his emotional persona allows him to play fully in the moment, doesn't overthink, just plays. Yeah. It's, it's yeah, incredible. and Travel saying, are you suggesting Floyd Mayweather is arrogant? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I mean, there's, there's a lot of examples. You could even say Ronnie O'Sullivan to an extent. He's pretty arrogant, yeah. isn't he? Exactly. There's so many. There's so many. Conor McGregor? Yes, I am saying that, 12 Travel. He is. Yeah. Con- Conor McGregor? Think he's arrogant? Well, guess what? He's, he's the biggest person in that sport's ever history because of that. That's what I mean. You've got to have a persona. You might play into it a bit, but who doesn't? If you do, all it does is mean it's more uh, more money on the table where, wherever you go. So look at Ben. He's arrogant. He's one of the best YouTubers on YouTube. Look at that. JG's the most <laughs> arrogant. He gets paid double me on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> anyway, let's move on to the next one. 
Uh, and let's talk about Novak Djokovic because he did put out a tweet. He said, congratulations, Holger Luna, and to your team. As always, thank you, Paris, for an amazing experience. Merci beaucoup. And then he did obviously say in his after-match speech, uh, he was saying, I'm happy for you because I like your personality. I think you're very, uh, you're a very dedicated guy that loves tennis, and I'm sure the future is bright for you. So graceful as ever, Novak Djokovic there. Yep, That's this is your moment, Gary. So this was during the trophy ceremony. And I thought it was really nice from someone like Novak to do this. There is a good bit of history between the two of them. So when they played at the US Open, um, Djokovic, in my opinion, and I think he kind of alluded to it in his post-match uh, interview in at the US Open, gave Holgoluna a set because he saw him cramping up. He was five love up and he didn't want to bagel him. And he wanted to give him a game just for his hard work and all of the fight he was still giving on the court and it's nice that these two have a really good relationship and Holgoduna I think that's going to give him a lot of motivation having one of the best players some would say the greatest player in, in Novak Djokovic in your corner giving you these words of encouragement I think he can use that as a real inner strength to help him in big moments in his in the rest of his career so I like yeah. the fact that these two are quite nice to each other and Djokovic is really supportive and kind. And on Novak Djokovic in general, he is someone who always does congratulate the opponent after a loss. Um, I, I feel I feel Rafa Nadal also is very nice when it comes to that as well. He'll always give praise to the opponent and, and, and say that they were the better player on the day. And that, for me, is the most important thing in sport. It's learning how to lose. You need to lose gracefully and not just win. And because it's easy to win, it's harder to lose. And Djokovic is one of the best players to lose. Yeah, that most makes sense. Definitely. He loses most, very well. Most definitely, especially after such a hard match like that. I mean, he was within touching distance of a tie break to be able to get himself back in it. And then he probably would have won the match had he got it to tie break, I think. I mean, that's how close it is. Fine margin. He gives credit where credit's due. So uh, he always and applauds. Just quickly in the live chat, people are talking about a snooker watch along. That <laughs> may actually be happening. I mean, I'm, I'm not against doing a snooker watch along of some kind purely because I do actually enjoy snooker. I watch quite a bit of it. So maybe the final we could do on the channel, GTO Extra. Bit of a semi pro, aren't you? Snooker. Well, I did play yesterday, actually. There we go, see? Down the old snooker halls. Didn't quite Instead get a 147. Nice century break, though. That would do. <laughs> century break. <laughs> I'd love to see it. Right. Um, okay. This one, we're going on to some more stats. This is talking about... Uh, this is from the Holger Luna News. I like this one. It's becoming more and more popular on Twitter, saying in January he was number 103 and needed to play qualies to enter tournaments. Ten months on, in November, Luna... Cracks the top 10 with three ATP titles, nine top 10 wins, and a lot of tennis. All of the hard work and dedication paid off. Yeah. Can't, it's uh, a quick rise. It really is a quick rise. And if we wind back to the beginning of the year, we had uh, a podcast with Francisco Serondolo. And in that podcast, he said, out of any player on the tour, who do you expect to have a breakout season? And he mentioned this guy here, Holger Luna. He thinks he was, well, he, well, he was right. Let's be honest. It's not about yeah. thinking anymore. It come to fruition. And he is that real, the real deal currently inside the top 10. And I think he's going to be able to maintain it for next year as well. So great rise happened quite quickly. And I don't see him going anywhere either. Yeah. Uh, it's, he looks so good. I mean, he can only get better, which is scary for everybody else on the tour. Uh, and he is 
a multiple surface player as well. He's not just a like a one-trick pony. He definitely can play on the clay very well, and yeah. he can play outdoor hard as well. Grass, uh, I still want to see a bit more from him. I don't think he's great on the grass at all, We're but he has big. he has got a clay court title. Let's remember that, which is important. Yeah. I know earlier I was saying Djokovic is a great loser. We've got 12 travel 21 in, and <laughs> Benoit Pet is also a good loser. So good, he barely wins. I don't like this uh, phrasing of Djokovic being a good loser. I feel like you're leaning into this a bit too much. He is but, a good loser. Uh, yeah, I feel like you can phrase it differently. But okay, how would you phrase it? He's very. Your job? He it's takes a loss it. very well. I'd say. I'd say. Okay. Thanks, Ben. No worries. Would you say I'm a good loser? <laughs> Great. <laughs> you just let them while play. He rarely would as well. <laughs> I know. I rarely throw my racket because I've only got one racket. That's the other. <laughs> anyway, let's move on to the next one. This one I thought was big. I was talking about it being big for Danish tennis. And this one saying, welcome to the top 10. Holger Luna, uh, just a week after making his top 20 debut, Holger Luna makes his top 10 debut, jumping from 18 to 10 uh, after winning the Masters. Uh, he's the first Dane to reach the top 10 in ATP rankings history. So he's making history. He didn't stick around, did he, between 10 and 20? <laughs> <laughs> he was like, I don't want to be in these teens. I'm sick of being a teenager. He's got one more year of being a teenager. He's like, get me out of these numbers. Stick me straight in the top 10. And on that being the on him being the first Dane, I've got a question for you, Ben. Who's the other Danes? Well, that's a good question. I'm just going to show you just quickly, just while we're talking about where, when he becomes 20. It will be on the 29th of April, as you can see there. So that one's just an interesting one. I just thought I'd quickly bring up for us. But yeah, the other Danes. Like I was trying to go through to find out the other Danes in history that were top ones. Please let me know in the live chat or in the comments if you know of others. I'm a little bit naive on this this type of thing because I didn't know many. And I know that on the women's side, we've got Wozniacki, we've got Towson, we've got people like this. But I wasn't so familiar on the men's. And uh, I dug out uh, Kenneth Carlson. He's from, uh, he's, he played most of his tennis in the 90s. As you can see here at the moment, he's 49 years old. Uh, three career titles. Uh, his best was the 1993 Australian Open where he oh, got like to the yesterday. It was like yesterday. Uh, And uh, he went out to Michael Stick uh, in that one. There you go. Just to bring that up for you. Beat Todd Woodbridge there. But uh, the winner of that eventual tournament was uh, Jim Courier. So just to go back a little bit. And then going back a little bit further, we've got Torben Ulrich, which, uh, as you can see, it's black and white. (laughs) We're going back to the 50s now for some tennis. And... His best, uh, I believe, was 90 and no, 96 in the world. So, yeah, it's a little bit lower than Carlson. And uh, I mean, he looks trash. I'm sorry. Doubles, <laughs> what, what 38 round? wins, 87 losses. He's lost a lot of matches. <laughs> Went to the fourth guy. round of all the, well, all the part from the Australian Open. But then he looked, look at the big gap. I don't know why he suddenly, he was doing well in the 50s and suddenly in the 70s, I don't know. <laughs> Not so good. I don't he didn't really get anywhere other than, no. yeah. But that's all I've got really from uh, the the Danish Danish history. Please let me know if there are more that I've missed out. I think I was trying to think of some other ones. And I was like, was Thomas Johansson? No, he's Swedish. I was trying to I think mean, of some others. Holgerun has already eclipsed them all. Yeah, exactly. I would say he's the greatest Dane 
Danish tennis player of all time. And we've got Rowdy every lap in saying Adkaz and Lunate were born seven days apart. Wow. So another That's... interesting stat, both in April, I believe. Is it? Which tournament would it be? I mean, it'd be interesting to see if they have a birthday, which would like be a, in the same tournament at one point. That would be quite interesting. If they play the same tournament, birthday week. Think, when did we go to Zagreb? Was that April? May, that was. Oh, May. So I think it's the ones before before Madrid. Is it Rome? Is it Rome? Mm, no, we did Rome in Zagreb. Monte Carlo, maybe. Oh, Maybe. French Open? <laughs> yeah, that's later on. <laughs> right, anyway, let's not play this guessing game any longer. Uh, this is the, ma the Masters list of champions from 2022. That's the final list. So yep. there are no more Masters left. And take us through, JG, all of these. Well, I'm glad you gave me that opportunity because I've got a lot to say about these Masters champions. I'm glad you included this tweet. I think this is the only tweet I sent you which was included. So yep. I'm going to have to file a complaint <laughs> for that. But this is a great one. And let's start off with the uh, beginning of the year. Indian Wells, Nadal losing in the final to Taylor Fritz. We then had Adkaraz win Miami. Sister pass won Monte Carlo. Again, Adkaraz beat everyone. And that was another good run. We saw Holgorun's run in, Orune's run in Paris. You could say Adkaraz's run in Madrid was maybe just as hard. I'm not so sure. You've got to look at that, was it? Nadal, Djokovic, Zverev in a yeah. row. In, to win a Masters is tough. Djokovic won Rome. Busta won Canada. Chorich won Cincinnati. Uh, I think he beat Sissipas in that event as well. And, of course, Rune won winning Paris. And the big thing which screams out to me is how many young players are now winning titles. Yeah. As aside from Djokovic and Busta, they're all pretty young. Borna Chorich is sort of middle of the range, but still, I would say, a young player. Yeah. And... Yeah, it just I think this is now a big turning point in tennis. And that's why I keep making these big claims that we may not see a big free player win a slam next year. Certainly Federer won't be winning one. I'm not sure about the other two either. I think this is now the opportunity for these young players to come through yeah. and be able to do what they've done in the Masters into a slam. Because the Masters is a step down from a slam. The slam and the Masters, the real big difference is the is the fact that it's a lot more taxing on the body and of course mentally as well it's very enduring it's an endurance competition a grand slam if they're able to play the good tennis because they've shown that in a masters against the best players so they can beat the best players can they do it in a setting in which you may have to play best of five mm. Adikadaz has shown he can yeah the others haven't shown they're able to yet but I think that may change next year I think it's interesting as well to look at the fact obviously Alcaraz he won two Masters, and he was able to then go on and win a Grand Slam. Is it going to be the same for Holger Luna? If he manages to get a second Masters under his belt, then is he then primed for Grand Slam? Like That type of thing interests me a lot to see when you win your first Slam. Is it after you've won a couple of Masters? Maybe you have to... Maybe only one's enough. But Alcolaz there, you can see he's won the most Masters out of anybody this year, and he did grab a Slam. So... I think it does make a make a difference, that high-level competition, like you were saying. You're only going to be playing the very best. So, he is. Yeah. Right. Exactly so, nearly, nearly at the end, just something light-hearted, just to wrap it up, because uh, I like to throw in just a little funny one just to end. And this one, this beautiful artist's impression, uh, Al what's this? Aladdin Tabakovic sums it uh, all up 
And it says, thank you, Joker, for continuing to inspire. Oh, sorry. Uh, congratulations, Holger Luna, are on the first of many. And we've got the Paris Bercy Masters tree and Djokovic pushing Holger Luna on a swing. With <laughs> <laughs> the picture of them when they were younger. I thought it was quite nice. One. You didn't show me this one. I can see why. You wanted me to be surprised on the podcast. I think it's quite cool. Shout out to the artist. Obviously, I think from the name, seems Serbian, right? So yeah. Maybe so, a Djokovic yeah. fans made this. I think it's class. Really good <laughs> little cartoon of a little Holger, the baby-faced Holger getting pushed on the swing. Uh, it's really nice. Part of me feels that he looks a little bit like Dominic Team Djokovic. don't know if it's just me. <laughs> but uh, I, Maybe I her get... catch, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> maybe it could be any bit of just uh you pick but yeah it's definitely Djokovic in the blue that's how we know who it is uh but yeah good way to finish up I thought yeah exactly well thank you everyone for joining us today this is our summary of the Paris Masters event in Birdsea Paris it was great I enjoyed it thank you everyone for joining us throughout the week we've got quite a few views we've got a lot of new subscribers as well we will be doing Loads of live podcasts coming up because we've got the ATP finals. We're doing a draw preview for that. We've also got some next-gen stuff and the conclusion of the WTA finals tonight in which Eager is not going to be contending the title. Big shock. And we are going to continue as well with more members-only live podcasts and videos, especially for the draw previews and reactions to events. Um, I'm sure everyone, if if you are listening to this and you're not a member... You're more than welcome here. We want to still read all your comments afterwards, but you will not be able to engage in the live chat as the as the podcast is happening. But you can still watch it live. For sure you can. Yeah. Uh, I'm excited to see who wins the WTA Tour Finals next. Uh, but I think we should just wrap it up there. Say congratulations to Holger Luna. A fantastic uh, end to his year. And will we see him at the ATP Tour Finals? taking someone's place as an alternate that's the big question yeah but the thing with that though ben is if we are to see him it's at the expense of someone else so probably they've been injured so it's quite a hard thing to wish to see holiday doing there because then that means someone else is going to be missing out and i hope it is not rafa he has confirmed and he said he's going to be there and if he can go deep and get to the final Maybe he would be world number group, one. But... Rafael Nadal can be world number one come the end of the year. So Rafa fans, still a lot to be excited about. Uh, but anyway, let's wrap it up there. Last thing to do, of course, is to promote the Tennis One uh, app. Make sure to download that. This is the far- last time we will be promoting it for Paris because it's the end. And we did do a special Paris sponsorship with them. So if you haven't already, download the app, Apple or Android. You've got all your tennis in one place. Me and Ben use it. A lot of the other GTL community are using it. And we think it is awesome. So check it out. This video is brought to you in collaboration with the Tennis One app. Make sure to download the app today using the link in the description. It has everything tennis in one place. That is live scores, stats, news, videos, and much more. The great thing about the app is they create a lot of their own content themselves at the tournament. And just the other day, they asked Coco Goff if she's still on her parents' mobile phone bill. And if you want to see the answer, make sure to download the app today. 
And if you do download it, you can then get involved in Game Zone. There's fun tennis games on the app. One of them, a bracket battle where you can win actual money. I mean, you don't have to pay to enter and you can win a lot of cash. So make sure to download the app, Apple or Android. And if you want to see our content, that's on there too. So even more reason to download it. And remember, if you want all of your tennis in one place, download the Tennis One app today. There we go. Thank you, everyone. Like and subscribe and see you later. See ya. Sports Social Podcast Network.